0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 27th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHurts.com.
1: Uh,
0: happy Australia weekend.
1: Yay! Day off, so that's really what most of us care about. <laughs> so
0: you get the Monday every single time, or is it just coincide with whatever?
1: Uh, so, Australia Day is the 26th. It depends on which side. Like if Australia Day this year was on the Friday, we'd get the Friday off and have a long weekend around that. If it's a Wednesday, you get the Wednesday off. That's how we do it. So it's the 26th of January. There's a very good chance in five years' time that day may move and it may be a different date altogether. (laughs) What would cause that? Uh, A lot of people think it's Invasion Day because it's when they decided to... It's when Cook landed in Sydney and then slaughtered. A whole stack of aboriginals so it's a tough date to whack it on when we're trying to reconcile with the natives of the land that they consider that they got wiped out in that colony landing which would probably a fair bit of sense so we've got a few things to sort out in this country still around those sorts of topics okay so yeah it can get pretty heavy if you want to but it's a hockey podcast so maybe not <laughs> that's your history corner
0: yeah, as as in the background on Netflix, I have Oliver Stone's Untold History of the United States going on, <laughs> which is actually I've enjoyed. So, um, hi, hockey. Yep, yep. Gear shift. Since we've been off, um, our favorite punching bag went and undid a mistake, but we'll talk. Uh, all the details around it on how, you know, maybe necessarily the Edmonton Oilers are not out of the woods just because they fired Dum Dum. Yeah. And this weekend was All Star weekend with the game as well as the skills. And Gary Bettman always gives a State of the Union uh, speech. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: to the Board of the... Governors.
1: The Board of Governors allowed him to go to the, yes. of the Union address and do it? Yeah, okay. So, um, the, there's there's stuff to be
0: discussed there. So, we'll, we'll start with Edmonton. They fired Peter Peter Chiarelli, finally. It, it The f- most Edmonton way possible, it wasn't because he signed a journeyman goaltender for four and a half mil a year for three years. It was losing to Detroit at home. <laughs> that might've been the the last straw. Uh, I, I it has nothing to were, do with the process of things. They're,
1: they're so results oriented. It's great. If they were so... They're obviously thinking about it, right? And I'll... You, you, sh- you never know how the structure works in, in hockey teams at times. It's like, if you're going to go and make a signing, do you have to go to kates and say all right i'm about to go and make this signing any issues and you would hope as a general manager you don't have to do that because it's it's unthinkable to me that they were thinking about firing him yet let him make that costum signing what was it 24 hours or 48 hours prior to getting the ass like that's just it just exemplifies the mismanagement of that franchise i think
0: Well, I think that's why they're not out of the woods is what I was alluding to. I don't think Shirelli did make that signing solo.
1: So who was it? Do you have a hint at all?
0: All of the morons that were on that organization. You got... Pick your favorite ex-oiler, I think. Pick your poison, yeah. You got Lowe. You got Scott Housen, former failed Blue Jackets GM. You have... Bob Nicholson, who wouldn't know anything about building a team uh, with a salary cap, and the fact that, you know, his most famous accolades come from picking Team Canada. Ooh. You know, talk yeah, about putting the, putting the game on easy.
1: Yeah, that just doesn't translate at all. That's, yeah. So,
0: all you get all that put together. Oh, don't forget the Keith Gretzky. I, I, you know, Keith Gretzky, I wonder... How did he get that job?
1: Oh, Jesus. (laughs) It's nepotism at its worst.
0: It's just, it's so Edmonton that Wayne Gretzky's brother would be in a position of interim GM.
1: Read a few tweets from a few media moguls and... People on Twitter pushed back on the whole, you know, they're saying, oh, Gretzky's, you know, waited his time, he's, he's held his dues, he's, he should be good to, you know, have a crack at a job like this. And this is really the first time I've ever really paid attention to the fact that this man exists and this man exists in hockey management. So it's not like he's somebody like, you know, we heard of Chaker coming up, we heard of um, Dubas coming up or coming through what was going on with ho- this guy. For me, it just feels like Gretzky's like, oh, well, I'm a Gretzky, I can. I wasn't as good at hockey, I'll jump into management and I'll just use my name to roll my way through now. That could be ridiculously unfair, but that's how it's felt like for me with this guy just coming out of nowhere.
0: Somebody had tweeted out his previous work and it wasn't very impressive.
1: So, well, what's the definition and that's the thing it's like what defines what a good gm is going to be these days because there's so many different ways to skin a cat as in this job
0: the that... one that's going to be like all the, all the other industries in the world that want to get a get an upper edge and that's data analysis and having very not worrying so much about culture and that kind of stuff but Knowing that if you do things successfully, it'll take care of the other stuff. Winning braids good culture. Like successful company. Yeah. Um, you know, assuming you're not just one of the... <sighs> this is a tougher comparison than I wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> cause cor- not all corporations are obviously good, but there, there are companies that make those good choices and... Because of winning in business as money, they they put that money back into their employees at certain places to to make them comfortable at work, uh, like workout facilities and and nice break area. You, you get what I'm saying with that kind no, of stuff. No, I know,
1: I know, I know where you're going. There's there are some market deficiencies that mean that companies just use the data to exploit holes, and that money doesn't go back into the employees or into the facilities for employees. I get what you're saying there. I get where you're heading with the hockey thing. And the money should go back into the facilities and into the players. That's the whole point of the salary cap is it goes up, they get forced to put the money back into their roster. So I get what you mean. But
0: the Oilers are so not a team that is going to make a hire to do that. Like, Toronto is going all in on that kind of stuff. They went with a very young general manager who, by the way, if you really look at it, he did do the old-school pay-your-dues, stick-boy, all that stuff on up through the system. Yes, absolutely. You know, the only thing he's lacking there is an NHL career, and he'd hit, like, every checkmark ever.
1: Yeah, that was the one thing he was missing, was literally having the fact that he'd played... You're right,
0: but he did all the other stuff that um, non-playing stuff that um, old-school people love. But he just happens to, you know, really wants to find those inefficiencies. And Toronto has invested a lot of money into it because that doesn't go on the cap. And it'll be very interesting to see what Toronto does in, in these next few years. Obviously, Dubis is. Not gonna go undefeated. There are gonna be moves that aren't, uh, that don't work. That that's gonna happen to anybody. I just don't think you're gonna see the Ron Hainsey, the the Matt Martin, uh, Zaitsev, Ken Johnson, who is on his team.
1: But you know that reeked of Lou. <laughs> it's yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it how it pans out and what changes there are like that there was, there was literally a fight for control and Toronto decided to go with the different look at hockey as opposed to lose look. There's absolutely no argument there that that one won, but then you look at what's happened over in with the Islanders and everybody who's an old school guy is going to go, see Lou's still got it. But a lot of those changes were made before Lou even got there. The biggest thing was getting the coach. So it'll be curious to see what happens in.
0: Yeah, but the they're not—they're not that good of a team.
1: I know they're hot at the moment. They, they're, they're Colorado.
0: Was from a few years ago,
1: they're still better than I was expecting. Oh, the record for sure. They've got goaltending this year, and that's been the difference. If you have a look at any team that turns it around, save percentages through the roof.
0: Yeah. So Trotz and Coach of the Year is just you know your latest example of.
1: Well, Mitch Korn, Mitch Korn went there. He's the guy that, that that's, that's turned around every Washington goalie. But any back. Jack
0: Adams, is the save percentages are through the roof. Yeah, absolutely agree. So, I think the for fans, the Islanders should be thrilled. Like this is a very entertaining season. Um, you know, strip that away and look at it for what it is. I don't think they're really all that good. They're really they're really getting by on you know, the unsustainable formula. Oh the high PDR. Yeah, so but they are there. They are first, I believe, in the division right now. So
1: Yeah. Two games clear. (laughs)
0: But that division is really compact, so missing the playoffs even for a first place. Divisional team this late in the year usually is um, unheard of, but with how tight that whole division is, it it could easily the bottom could come out.
1: It it feels like a mess. The division. Yeah, even Washington <laughs> was terrible. Yeah, it's it's like I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Columbus to have a really bad stretch and the Islanders to have a really bad stretch because you know Washington has Pittsburgh has Carolina has it's like you know Philly has every team in that division so far this year has hit a wall severely and like had a ridiculously bad run so it'll be interesting to see if that even happens to them if it doesn't they'll run away with the division Mm -hmm. which I would never have said I thought they were going to be bottom feeding looking at trying to get you know top three draft picks like wow this is not the Oilers, though. No. No, we branched off.
0: Uh, they did play each other in a Stanley Cup final. That that, that can be our tie-in. There we go. Nice job. You okay. done well. Uh, but the, back to the Oilers, they just... You can look at Toronto's example, but Toronto was never in the, the, the terrible shape that Edmonton was. Edmonton never tanked for those number one picks. They just were inept. And you can be inept, get those picks, and still not build it back up. We've we've seen that over and over again with them. Whereas Toronto, um, unlike Buffalo's tank, which they totally tanked their possession, uh, Toronto did it. They tanked their own PDO. So... They weren't necessarily the the worst worst team in hockey, but they they made moves to
1: um, ensure they lost games.
0: Yeah, and it was easier. It's easier to build back up the PDO team than the possession team. That's
1: tanking. Yeah, well, Buffalo had the right idea, just the, the smaller parts of doing it weren't quite right. And like I said, trying to rebuild possession is difficult. Finding players that can drive possession is, is not as easy as... You know, you can, see the, the, you can see the problem in hockey. You need to have the puck and you need to shoot the puck to score goals. But you've got to find players that help make that happen. And that is proving harder than some general managers would like to think because they haven't shifted their thinking into the whole, well, we need to have this sort of player because that's what hockey's always had. And it's like, the game's changing. It's moving in a different direction. You either get on board or you're out. Right. Yeah. So,
0: in Toronto, always had like Cadre and Riley and Gardner, like they had things going on for them. Edmonton, whoever takes this job over, they have nothing going on for them. Nothing.
1: No, well, they're gonna they're gonna end up being just outside the playoffs. I don't think they'll make it. So, whoever takes it over next year is not going to have. You know, a top five draft pick. They've got you know their both their goalies are thirty and above. No trade clause, no move clause. I think well, for well, it's just so we can't get a sit down. Yeah, but you gotta they've replaced him with Coskinen for the next three years at a higher salary cap hit.
0: No no I know that, but Talbot Talbot's gone.
1: Oh, it's just it's start strange. Putting some of these yeah. I mean, you look look through the contract length to some of these players and the guys that you're going to have stay around, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins. Actually, Donnell Nurse has only got next year as well because you've got Luchich that they're going to have to try and get rid of. Like, the guys that you have to keep... He's buyout proof. Assigned. The way it's
0: structured is Horrid they can't buy him
1: out yeah who's gonna yeah i got you
0: the oilers only quick way out of this is well there are two one sorry oiler fans are not going to want to hear what i have to say about that yeah um two would be the lockout and being able to let owners once again undo their own stupidity
1: that seems to be what they do every time so i can't see why that won't be the case
0: but there needs to be a lockout, which you know, probably a coin flip, which is better odds than it has been in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing is the um, expansion draft.
0: Well, that should be easy for them. They don't have much worth a
1: damn. You should. They should be able to package up Lucich and first round draft pick and stuff like that to get him off the books but that's two years away
0: i don't know if i'm seattle i, I, I say no
1: oh i say no as well absolutely you say no i mean what,
0: that package has got to be a little better than a first round pick
1: you know what i'm Take- saying though like that's what they're gonna have to do they're gonna have to give away assets for a signing that everybody at the time said this is one of the worst things you could possibly do and then all of the suckhole Edmonton media that never have a bad thing to say about them are like, mm, no no no, it's gonna be fine. And then all of a sudden they write all these articles about how it all went south with Chiarelli. It's like everybody saw it from day one. Like
0: ugh. they are a special group of stupid the Edmonton media. They are just the living version of the onion every day. <laughs> It's, it's pretty funny from a distance. If I was in the market, I, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, no, 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 I can understand that. But uh, my other suggestion, and I think it's a conversation that they're going to need to have, and it's a conversation that, if not for hockey culture, probably would have been dictated to them already, is, you know, you got to think about Connor McDavid. And are we ever going to be good enough when he's at his best? And is it worth – I mean, even – I don't want to undersell the Oilers here. Maybe they could screw it up. But you would have teams bending over backwards to, to make that trade happen. So you might not get the best return because it's the Oilers, but the return would still be incredible, and give them a foundation to build it back up again. And yeah. quite frankly, Connor McDavid doesn't deserve to play there.
1: Yeah. Okay. So there is two problems with that: is that if they traded him away and got the exact perfect return for it, and it, they, yeah, I, I right. don't, tr- I don't trust them. To not get it wrong. And and two, I think McDavid's gonna be a good old Canadian boy and is literally going to say, I am not going anywhere. I'm going to stay around and make sure this works. I don't think I, I And think, he's, an, he's got it you know, he's got all the protection <laughs> he wants. So <sighs>
0: I think that he'll ask out if things don't improve, but it will never be as soon as he should have, which is already. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't choose to play there. That's a random lottery ball. And you know what? He... The same thing for Sid and the difference is he came in the league 0506 and they were in a Stanley Cup final by 08. The, the Penguins never gave him a reason to want to leave.
1: No. No.
0: And that's the difference. Like if the Penguins were doing Oiler shit and, like, traded away Malkin because he had a cold stretch and they, and they traded for Jack Johnson. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> like, you know what I mean, though? Like, that's yeah. as stupid as the Oilers have done it. And, of course, I would, like, be like, well, yeah, Sid, he deserves to not be on a team like that. He he deserves some say in what's happening. Yeah, so... the
1: thing that's that that can sort of throw, what I feel like can throw all of our kind of my criticisms out the window at the moment is that Edmonton are literally only three points out of making the wild card spot, and if you have a look at the teams that are sort of flip flopping around that area, Colorado will, is a one line dependent team. Vancouver is a one line dependent team. Anaheim is nose-diving. Arizona keep getting injuries. St. Louis, I have no idea how they've got where they are. Do you really trust Dallas not to explode? They could still make one of those two wild-card spots.
0: Yes, they, they can. And, uh, and
1: it's, then it's they, salvage the yeah, mean, they salvage
0: the season. Yeah, it they salvage
1: the se- season. Though. Well, no, but this is what I mean. According to that managerial group, it will salvage the season. Like, they shouldn't be trying to make the playoffs. They should be trying to win the whole thing. But as far as they're concerned, all they're going to be worried about is just making the playoffs. I mean, a one-and-done year is not good enough. If they get in, you never know what can happen. We all know what it's like with the playoffs in, in this sport. That's almost every game is just a coin flip game anyway. Um, you know, they make the playoffs, all of a sudden they get to the second round and they'll look at the, the season completely differently and it's like, no, you can't. This roster is flawed. You've, you've got to re, reassess your, your process in regards to what, what wins in this league these days. And I don't think they really know what wins. And like you said, you know how you said Chiarelli's gone but all their problems aren't gone? I think you're right. That's the problem. The people that are still around, that are still getting to have a say, don't know what wins in the NHL now, comparative to when they were involved on the ice yeah there's goalies now it's crazy that helps
0: (laughs) they're probably so they just get excited that any edmonton Oilers goalie makes a save so (laughs) oh wow look at that (laughs) yeah his numbers are better than
1: grant fears i wonder how much that does actually warp the perception Like, when you're an ex-player, right? So you remember when you played at the level and you were elite or you were very good in your era, and then all of a sudden the game changes dramatically. How, like, you should be able to be enough of an adult to go, okay, I need to look at the game differently. Things are obviously happening differently to when I was on the ice. It's not just the, the players skate faster, the players are healthier. You know, quite clearly the goalies are better, the goalie equipment's better, it's harder to score surely you can understand that systems needed to change to allow some of those things to happen. It's like, uh, the the head up the assery of some of this is just ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And I brought Grant fear up because he was, you know, it's the, he had a tweet about analytics, doesn't do it on the ice or something along those lines, and there are people, you know, giving him crap for that, and he's back with the I'm a hockey Hall of Famer, da da da.
1: And... Yeah, but that's that. He's just trying to protect his legacy because he, all of these guys, realize that once all of these old games get all of their game data up, and the numbers can be crunched, they're, they're just not going to look quite as good as what they did what against what happens now. But if you can do the whole era adjusted, you're still going to look good. Like, for each time, Granfield was great. You know what I mean? Like, in his era, he was... It's like Tom Barasso. Tom Barasso was good in his era. But you, as soon as the, the game moved from, you know, the early 90s to the late 90s, the game had gone past him. And it, it's like... Eras happen. You you're allowed to be great in your in your era because that's all you can do after that, and you're compared against your peers at that point. Goalies are better now than they were. I'd be terrified if the goalies were what they were in the eighties. Imagine the imagine the goals we'd get.
0: I just hate the analytics. Isn't gonna fucking one time it in the net, man. <laughs> Attitude. Yeah. Like, no shit. But the. the the numbers are created from real human events that happen on the ice, and you use them to predict future outcomes based on the inputs that you have. The inputs being the players, right? And Correct. That is the way out of this hole. If you're the Oilers, you have to hit on. The, you have to find um, a market inefficiency and attack it. You got to build this back up quick before Connor McDavid is asked for a trait. That's the clock you're up against right now.
1: Now, Because he is
0: not going to go his career, hockey culture or not, with missing the playoffs and first-round exits, knowing he is winning MVPs.
1: Now, is the generalized cutoff of the prime of a scoring player's window like, is 25 that cut off before you start to taper off? And his take, Conor McDavid's taper will be very small for quite a long time. Because, like, what was it for Sid and Geno? Like, they were about 25, weren't they? And then it all kind of tapered off after that, right?
0: No, the the, the best players, that it, it tapering off compared to, like, their own Apex? Or yeah, tapering that, like,
1: off? Oh, not comparative to the rest. Because, like, you know ovechkin you know the two i mentioned
0: i mean I technically would be in the same boat ovechkin is tapered off he's on pace for over 50 again which is remarkable but you know he was a 60 something guy at one yes. point yes tapering off is all relative to the correct and, and i know you understand that i'm just clarifying yeah no um, because
1: it's like mcdavid's 22 now right so sid had gone to his first cup final at 22 these guys don't even look close you've got three more they're years they're fighting
0: of... for the playoffs let alone that and mind you Sid's Cup final was for the same reasons I was making fun of the Islanders before it was very PDO infused Fleur's best yes. year uh, until last year um, and Crosby and Malkin and inst- uh, doing their thing in Stahl being good defensively Tarion was a terrible coach that was not a good team um, Hosa really helped out.
1: Yes, that man was wonderful for the getting, short journey getting... we had before <laughs> before he left. Um, all I'm trying to say is it's like, I reckon they've got three more years of McDavid absolutely schooling and tooling everybody before that gap starts to shrink rather than get larger. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So his ability to be able to cover up all the holes in the sinking ship is going to be harder in about three years. Now, you'd think that three years would be long enough to sort of try and turn this thing around, but some of those contract decisions that have been made, like the Luchich one is the, obviously the massive one that's the problem, um, it's going to be tough. Like, And you are right, at some point hockey culture changes for McDavid and goes, yeah, I'm a good soldier, but I've got nothing for this, I need to go somewhere where I can.
0: Well, you're also seeing younger players speak up. Like, William Nylander wasn't anti-Toronto. No, he was anti-getting ripped off. And you're starting to see younger players uh, flash their leverage more than you did in the past. The the league needs it, too. You know, Connor, Connor McDavid got horrible advice signing eight years in Edmonton and not even close to the max of what he could have gotten like yeah,
1: if you're going to 12.5 is a off...
0: discount and you're going to give him term what should have they done 15... to show you they know a fucking thing you should have signed run... for four or five at the most for that 12 well, and a half
1: they reckon that that's what uh, matthews is going to do
0: and you can't really blame him and that's not to say he's he's gonna leave toronto that's just giving himself options to to give himself the best outlook possible on his career and who who can blame them i mean i know there are people that do but
1: (laughs) matthew seems fortunate in that he's his decisions are all tucked in after what mcdavid's done in that he can use mcdavid as a okay so this is what happened when he did it this is the situation that he's in and he's gone and getting x amount of money here what are his chances of winning a stanley cup you know if matthews goes for eleven at five it's like 55 million bucks if you can't set yourself up and your family up for the rest of your life on 55 million as a start when you finish your career and he will learn more than that 55 mil then it's not hockey's fault that's your fault <laughs> so it is one of those things where you can just be a little bit cleverer with your decision. And he's in Toronto, right? So how much money is he going to make outside of hockey? Like, outside of hockey-related revenue?
0: Yeah, they say that a lot of times. Hockey guys don't make shit. Even in Toronto? I mean... That's
1: not how... The, that's, not, that's not the way that the, the Toronto media and all the hockey people talk about it. Like, you know, I'm here in, in freaking Melbourne and I, I see how AFL football is here make extra money outside of the salary cap. And whilst the totals aren't like you get with pro sports in North America, the percentages are high. It's how, it's how teams get around the salary cap they have here. They get there and they give them corporate sponsorship deals and all that kind of stuff. And they make an extra, you know, hundred thousand dollars on their $300,000 deal to play. So it, it certainly works in this country. It's just one of those things where is the Toronto media just making it up? No, there's money to be had. I just
0: you're not talking about NFL, NBA, oh money. I'm not that.
1: I'm not that silly.
0: <laughs> no, but you're you're talking about a Maple Leaf, megastar in Toronto. That's like the top of hockey's iceberg of potential outside earning power. I would think
1: yeah that that was that was and where it's still I was coming from think yeah. gonna be not enough to shift the needle is basically where you're at
0: it's just nice, I would think it's really yeah. nice extra income it's it's gambling money
1: yeah
0: <laughs> probably a little better than that but i I don't <laughs> think it's i think it's exaggerated the impact yeah I give you mean. I give you mean. so um yeah that's the Oilers. I had a list of some of the highlights. Um, well, you got Hall. <laughs> Eberly for a waiver eventually. Oh,
1: Spooner, yeah.
0: Chris Russell. And um, the Griffin-Reinhardt one's a little bit underrated where they gave a first and a second and we saw last night in the All-Star game, Matthew Barzell playing pretty good with Sid and
1: Latang. That was fun to watch, those three, actually. So, I suppose,
0: good as time as any to segue into All-Star weekend.
1: So, I didn't see any of the skills comp. so let me have it. How was it?
0: I, um, I always enjoy the skills competition. There was, um, as I wrote the other day, um, a lot of good because um, yeah. I, I just happen to enjoy watching those guys doing unique things uh, that they make them go through for that. Some some events are obviously better than others, but um, you had Austin Matthews take his Leafs jersey off and it had a, one of those black and white All-Star Game jerseys for Toronto, but it was Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> So the um, San Jose crowd was very appreciative of that, so that was a nice all-star moment for the weekend. You had, um, let's see here, Kendall Coyne Schofield doing the skating competition and only being about one second behind Connor McDavid, which I thought was very impressive considering McDavid is a missile on skates yeah um and the crowd was really into it so that was pretty cool um i enjoy the passing competition one where they got the mini nets and i know that oh, okay. can i know that one gets a little cringe worthy when the guys start to struggle a little bit um it's kind of like watching golfers that hit a bad shot. Makes you feel a little better about yourself. <laughs> but you don't want to see bad shot after bad shot, and the change that I would make to that is I think they do have to make the nets not a lot wider, but um, just a little bit. Because I think it's so, a, a little tight right now. It's it, You have to be pure to get it in there and the, you can't really kick it off the post and in for the most part
1: so you basically need it to not be for the elite superstars but you need it to be superstar level because most of the players that are there are superstars even
0: elite that that will cripple in, yeah, in know. any player even if i guarantee you could put sid in that net thing and i bet he wouldn't even want to do it because of the pressure that would be on them to look like it's nothing. And yeah. even a guy like that or Joe Thornton, the best of the best, I'm not saying they wouldn't have a, a run where they get through it right away, but there's certainly bad ones to be had by anybody. And, and Eric Carlson it was the one that led off, I think, and he he, he had a, um, a bad time going through it. So... I think they they need to raise the uh, potential success meter a little bit on that one, but I do enjoy watching their saucer methods because some guys um, have it roll from heel to toe. Some guys, well, they all go heel to toe, but um, some guys might caress it softly. Some uh, might smack it and have it do it that way a little bit, but it's it's good to... See how these guys uh, do that kind of stuff.
1: Well, everybody's got a slightly different way to go about it, so you can always compare, can't you?
0: And the only problem with that event was Brianna Decker supposedly beat Drys Idol by three seconds, but they didn't show it on TV or pay her. Say what now? She went first before everybody, and I think she had the best time.
1: Oh, man, if you're going to do it, to do it right like that's just silly
0: yeah and apparently today after a lot of criticism was well each of the um women that attended the event we're going to give them 25 grand to give to their favorite charity and you know this isn't meant to disparage giving money to charity obviously but at the same time these women don't even make 25 grand playing hockey yeah. So it this isn't like oh, here Sid, give it to your favorite charity. Okay. He would literally double their income.
1: Don't the um don't does didn't the winning division get like a million bucks to spread between the lot of them? Yeah. For, right. Which I'm only gonna, by the way. Which we're only going to give 25 to a charity for the that's just the optics of that are terrible.
0: Well, they don't think it is.
1: And yes, they should be getting paid that because they barely get paid to play, so if you're gonna give twenty five grand give it to the player
0: or match here's twenty five grand for your charity, and here's twenty five grand yeah, yeah the the women there and and um coin schofield like that was the talk of the night that was one of the bright moments that was the p r moment for the n h l that's what got eyeballs on their league. Um, I feel as though you should compensate those people.
1: Probably not a bad idea. If they want them to do it again or you're petrified, they might show you up. And who cares
0: cares if they do? The whole point is let's see the best do what they do and part of um, being the best I don't think needs to be a gender. The NHL should be doing more to pump up women's hockey. Like The NBA does with the WNBA because you are going to have way more future customers and interest in your league because more young girls will be attracted to the product. And you you don't need. You're just talking
1: logic now. you just you're just speaking sense.
0: And I'm not talking about. There being a, a female forward in the NHL, I'm not dismissing no. the potential of it, but, but there's always going to—it's going to take a super exceptional talent to to break through that barrier, and I hope to see it one day. But having them at these events, um, it's fine. It's not taking another or spot. I I watch Kyle Palmieri at the All Star game. No one, no one cares.
1: Yeah, this is a this is a no offense to
0: him. He obviously is a very good player, but this is an entertainment business.
1: It's also the issue you have when you have to have one player from every team at the All Star game. You're always going to have three or four players at that end of this. Like Keith Handel, really, and he's a good player. Yeah, but he's not such a buck off. Yeah. Precisely.
0: And, you know, Taylor Hall might not be having the best year after being MVP, but who doesn't want to see him instead?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. How did you find the the games? Um, I was actually coaching. Alright, so I actually did watch the game. I,
0: I saw the final, and I went through... Um, a lot of the highlights from the other two. So I have a good idea of
1: the first one. It was like they were skating backwards. They literally just got out there and just sort of, it was like, they just come out for central Pacific. Yeah. It was even slower than (laughs) warmups. Do you know what I mean? And eventually when, when the central got going and like they blew it out, the Pacific started, but it was too late by then. That's another
0: stupid hockey culture thing. I don't want to look like I'm trying.
1: Yeah. I don't want to show him up. And because the coverage that I watched was the Sportsnet one, like you had Kevin Bieksa doing the on the ice stuff. Oh, I
0: haven't seen him yet, but I've seen nonstop tweets of take this guy's microphone away.
1: Yeah. And the stuff that he's talking about. He was that bad, huh? Yeah. Just. You know, oh, they don't want to show each other up. And it's just it's like, dude, you're all-stars. You're supposed to. That's what we're here to see. So, yeah, why,
0: why the fuck are we having this event?
1: If you're not going to get there and display all the stuff you've worked on for your entire career to be as good as you are, just scrap the event and have a seven-day break mid-year. What's the point? People will stop going.
0: Which is why I was happy for Sid for a couple of reasons. In the past, he's certainly guilty of skipping out on All-Star Weekend. Like, there's no debate about that. He's yeah. he's he's like the, the best of this generation at doing that. I do not think Friday night at the Skills event he was pulling that stunt. He's already in town. I think he legitimately had a stomach bug. And I think because of that, we got something we normally wouldn't get in one of these things, and that was Sid trying a little bit. Yeah, And trying nice so see. much that he got a new car And won the MVP of the game With 8 points Between his uh, team's 2 games And it was nice to see
1: it was, it was good to see Letang look like he's having fun Out there Because there are times watching him play This year where it looks like it's hard work Because of who he's playing with The fact that Letang could just go And do what he wanted was pretty cool you kind of forget how good he is when you're watching day in and day out, and when you see him do that with talent, it's like, oh okay, yeah, I get why we like him so much.
0: Yeah, that was a great trio that they put together. <laughs> Barzel's the perfect complement to to those two. And you know, you got one of those vintage uh chop tips. Yeah. Um from yeah, the yeah. tang to to Sid, Sid uh, went around Mark Shifley with the old backhand toe drag through the legs move, which you know, for a guy like Sid, that's not that's not like the hardest thing to do. I think um there are a lot of people that can can do that, but he does it so quick, and the through the legs part goes right to the spot on a stick he wants for the next part of the sequence. That's yeah. what makes Sid so good with it. I know Shifley wasn't playing legitimate, like, um, the best defense he has at his disposal. But those are moves I want to see Sid do in real games because there are situations where I think he plays things safer um, than he needs to. I think he should push the envelope more. Uh, it's not one of those things I want to see it be f- him to do f- be fancy for the sake of fancy. I do think there are moments in games, and we saw that with the one, remember when he batted the puck up in the air and then swatted it into the net? Yeah. That wasn't to be fancy. That was because it was effective. And much like Steven Stamkos' through-the-legs goal, that was great, that was for a functional reason of changing the shooting angle and getting it around a goalie who otherwise would have squared up to him.
1: Yeah, it, it, having those skills makes it possible to do these things. And, it, and not using it in a game seems silly at times. I just think, you know, as good as Sid is, he always... If he has a choice, he'll always take the safer option as opposed to the the flashier option, I suppose.
0: And a lot of times the safe option is pretty damn good because his uh, skating ability is has created that time and space. And... Is hockey iq of where he's going so a lot of times that is absolutely fine but there are times i think he doesn't take on the d quite like he used to like an animal
1: no i wonder whether that's because he doesn't feel like he skates as fast
0: and he doesn't but he's still that's really why I'm fast asking. yeah he is absolutely you know what i mean and yeah. it was just nice to see him pull that out no than in an all-star game because he's He's your classic, humble, well, I don't want to do too much. Kind of. yeah. Like, I would always rather probably have Malkin in that event than Sid, but Sid actually um, put on a little bit of a show, which isn't always something you see, and I do think it's because he missed the night before.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. If he'd been there the whole... Like, if he'd been able to do the the event the day before, then I think he would have found a, a much more subdued Sid. I think there's also a part of it where he goes, I'm here, I might as well do something.
0: Yeah, I'm finally here. <laughs> I wonder what his number is for All-Star Games. I don't feel like looking it up, but it's way lower than it should be.
1: Absolutely. He's done it, like you said, he is the best it's at It's comically missing. low. <laughs> yeah, he's the best at missing. So, you know, anybody that wants to get on Ovi, you need to get on top of Sid.
0: And the other, one of the other things about All-Star Weekend is that Gary Batman speaks and goes over a few things. And I think we were talking before, I think the most notable one was the player tracking data, um, which I think is great, but there's some trepidation from both of us.
1: Now, I got to see the, like I said, the Sportsnet broadcast for all three of the games. One of the things I had, this, to me, this has absolutely no value, I think, in regards to understanding what happens on the ice. But it is really interesting when they have, particularly for the three-on-three, right, when you have the three, they had, I don't know what they did for the NBC coverage, but they had the three players connected together together and that was creating triangles on the ice the whole time. So you could see the distance between each player. And you could see sort of like the passing angles that they would have because where the lines were. And I found that interesting, but I'm like, that actually doesn't really tell me what's going on the ice. So that's one of the things that I'm kind of worried about is that when you sort of saw the demos leading up to it and you've got all the players' names all over the screen, It's like, that's not going to work, people. (laughs) That's just not going to work.
0: I do not want the players' names on the screen. Get out of here with that. Maybe you flash it. Like, you know, I I could understand a casual fan wanting to be like, oh, off a face-off, okay, that's where Sidney Crosby is. Or that's probably a bad example because he's a center. But like a winger, Um, here's so-and-so. And then you flash it, and then it just goes off.
1: Or you just do it like they do in the computer game. Stick it in their skates. Ah, I
0: see what you're saying. I don't want that either, but I'm totally with you on the. This that's is going to have so many poor applications of this technology. Um, not that skating speed isn't like okay. We have the tracking. Might as well tell us who is the average fastest skater. And like those are. That's like Pierre Maguire mcguire knowledge like okay hey look if this
1: gets him off the off yes let's do that if this gets him off the tv let's let's put it up
0: (laughs) it's like yeah that's nice to know i guess um oh they skated three miles that night okay well is that good is it bad
1: it's The, um, the, the numbers are pointless without context you need to be able to compare those numbers to the league or to the team or You you have to have the comparative with the numbers, otherwise numbers without context are meaningless. The things
0: off the top of my head that I want with this tracking data are defenseman gap control on zone entries. What's the average um, distance when when the opposition crosses the blue line on where you are? I want the guys that can close the gap and can match the speed because you're less likely for the other team to to be able to create from that. Um yeah. I wanna know how many controlled zone exits somebody had. The, basically all the Ryan Stimpson stuff that takes hours and hours and hours <laughs> for, for those fine people yeah. to track. Can we just do it through this and give me that information? Like well, if who I can that, then shot you can get... assists.
1: Then you can get Stimson to do the analysis on it. If you can get them the raw data, I think I'd trust those guys more than the league to get the data to well, display that's the other in a thing. way that's really. Who's
0: going to see this? You have the data, right? Yeah. Like the, the TV, the rights holders, they'll put up graphics. I I don't want it to be this black box thing, like the sports logic stuff. That's, like the,
1: that's, the, the, the bullshit
0: that. that's, back to the Oilers again, telling them that, Uh, Chris Russell is one of the best zone exit defensemen, who, by the way, also Nick Cronwall is up there on that list. Uh, So how's
1: that getting calculated?
0: Like, okay, I guess you use, quote-unquote, analytics. Uh, You're using snake oil, and I I don't want there to be guessing about this stuff. I don't want to have to trust, because the NHL, Gary also said, guess who's running this?
1: Yeah, and that gets worrying in itself, doesn't it?
0: SAP. Well, great. So now you can't even really, even if they give you the data,
1: trust it. Which sucks. Because you just, you just, you need to trust the raw numbers. You need to be able to go, okay, I know these raw numbers are accurate. Then you get there, and and you know, Micah and Ryan and all those guys that that, that do the data viz stuff and then the data analysis stuff and pop it out. I, it, it's so sad that I trust those guys more than you do where you're supposed to have the official source, which is the NHL.com site.
0: Well, even like, the guys that scrape it from the NHL, that, that data's not always 100% right, but I would hope no. the
1: tracking
0: would get, get it right to the best of technology's ability.
1: I'm legitimately waiting to see a situation where you'll be able to... Uh, see an entire shift of a player uh, and you can select which player you want to see. So you're on the website and you can see, you want to see what their fifth shift was in the the game and they'll be skating up in the rafters. The line will be somewhere up in the, and it won't be on the ice at all. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's just (laughs) what I expect to happen. I don't think it'll
0: be that bad, but
1: but yeah, they're sensors.
0: The sensor can get the sensors going
1: to get hooked and clicked in, and, and it's just going to be like they'll have to, if they want to do it properly and make this stuff worthwhile, they'll have to be like you'll have to have a human go over it and see if there's any massive errors like that, and then you'll have to manually put it in. Otherwise, it's pointless. But SAP aren't going to put the time and effort into doing that. That's why the NHL outsourced it, so they can make those kinds of decisions. I don't have to.
0: I just have no faith in it being cool at first. Yeah, but okay. So it seems like one of those
1: announcements where you should be pumped, but. But that's that's because we've got historical scars from this league, so (laughs) that's a little bit different. But at least, like, at least you're getting there and saying at first, meaning you have hope that it may work out. Well, yeah, the, the nuts and bolts are there. It's just, you
0: know, you're going to have Nick Kiprios talk about how much distance players were average per shift before a fight or <laughs> some bullshit like that. Yeah. Look how close they were the previous shift. Like, that's the fucking stupid analysis we're going to get at first.
1: Yeah, and, so you, and the thing with that is that you can't blame that on the, the uh, NHL. You've got to blame that on the broadcasters because they can't expand their mind to go, right, we've got all this new data. What's something that we can teach people who don't watch this game day-to-day to try and get them involved? And if they found a way to put visual stuff up on the eye, like on the on the coverage... That attracted non-hockey people to it, even though it might not be value for me. If it drags more eyeballs to the sport, I'm down with that. As long as we've got access to some of the data that we can go and, and look at on the on the NHL website and find out the stuff that we find relevant, then I think they get a decent mix of it.
0: Here's a simple, you... nice application for for an intermission report of using this kind of technology. You get a goal where a defenseman's gap control wasn't very good near the blue line. And you show the distance between the defenseman and the forward at the blue line being large. But then you can scale it back and show, well, the back checking forward, here's the distance and angle he was taking. He didn't take the middle cutback lane away. And then you show another example of a forward coming back and angling so the D could step, and you show the difference between the two and why this one the forward had so much room and here's the distance, like that simple triangular stuff that you were talking about before. Like that would be an interesting way of breaking down two events in the game.
1: The big thing for me with that is that you look at all of you've spoke, you've, you've, you can tell you're a coach is basically what I'm trying to say, because you want to know that. So you can teach that to the players that you coach. If you have a look at all the guys at the special comments, All the guys that are panelists in between periods and stuff like that, they're all players. None of them are people that look at the sport analytically. They'll get there and show you what's happened for a goal and stuff, but when it comes to just using that exact example, they never talk about those sorts of things, ever. And they've got freaking drawing-on-the-screen tools and all that kind of stuff that they can use. They never go over any of that stuff. I'd love to see that kind of stuff on the ice because there are those are the small little things that because i've not played and because i've i've not grown up with the sport it would be great to learn how like where how far across the middle of the ice a player has to come to shut down a passing lane so that the defender doesn't have to come up too early to control the gap to then get burnt to the outside do you know what i mean so that's a really a lot of times
0: they don't get burned to the outside because they just um they're fearful of that so they let the player in.
1: Well, that and that's that's the stuff that it would be good to know how far across does the guy in the middle have to come so that they can push up and stop yeah. the zone entry. Well, that
0: example is just like the chalk talk stuff. Instead of having people draw, you you have the technology built in to, to show it just like that, um, in not quite real time, I don't think, but close to um, you would have I that think at you're your disposal. Right. Yeah
1: yeah your, your your intermission period perfect time to do it absolutely perfect. I think time you to do could
0: it. even do it in replays like pretty quick with the tracking.
1: I, I think for me it's more the it's more the presenters so it'd be the the play by play and the color guy it would be getting them up to speed on it. I think yeah. you're right well the I technology hope delivery yeah the technology delivery I think you're exactly right. it's right there to go. you're on the money there. It's just teaching those guys. To, hey, it could be a way to weasel some of these idiots out.
0: Well, I don't think it will at first, but I do I, I do look forward to future generations when when this old guard dies out. I don't mean die out like they die. <laughs> 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 I don't want the, the people dying. I, I just There's want a caveat I never thought I'd... I just watch, want, I want them I'd off hear. the television screen. Um, <laughs> especially Keith Jones... I tweeted about him the other night. Mike Milbury, I get it. Like, okay, here's here's NBC's lame-ass American Don Cherry wannabe example. Good call. What, What the hell is Keith Jones? Bland, boring, no personality, bad analysis. He's not even a good ex-player. Like Nobody was interested in Keith Jones during his career. I don't know why anybody would be interested in what he has to say about the sport now. And he's narrating and analyzing a skills competition of which he can't do any of that shit. And he'll even joke about that. And I don't blame him for making self-deprecating jokes. Conan O'Brien is one of my favorite comedians. He does it all the time. <laughs> That's his Like, Major League Baseball gets Pedro Martinez talking about pitching. Like, that's a guy I know knows what the fuck he's talking about with pitching. Why can't I get skilled guys to talk about the hows and the whys of of what's going on? Yeah. There's not a dump in skills competition.
1: We'd give that to Patrick Horquist, wouldn't we?
0: You know, for all the the grief we give him, he'd, he'd probably be good at that event. Yeah. He does get it to nestle in the corner in spots pretty okay. And that's
1: that's a proper dumping. You don't just dump it for the sake of it.
0: I mean, I would rather a controlled entry and, you know, but in it, he'd, he'd probably do well in that.
1: But yeah, it's... I don't know how... Like how much longer has NBC got that deal oh, for?
0: Oh, uh, it's quite a
1: bit. Right. I I think they're going to have to go down the...
0: Think about a casual fan though. They're like,
1: "Who the fuck is this guy
0: talking?" He's kind of boring. Is he like one of the all-time greats? Wait, no. You say what now? He's a what? Okay, whatever. Like, and then who's this fucking creep putting his
1: hands? Oh, I saw that. That's just
0: (laughs) Schofield. Who's this bald fucking pedophile-looking freak? <laughs> that's the NHL. Yeah.
1: That's that's what the casual fans tuning in for. Yeah, they can't. They don't seem to be able to to work that one out. I don't know. They need to go down the. They need to go down the multi the multi broadcast model. I think, and have it so that it's on different channels, different nights of the week. And so yeah, yeah. Get... I think
0: that I think the league does want to do that. Except they made their bet a little bit soon. They basically counter McDavid themselves.
1: They weren't that worried about. They really needed that lump sum of cash at the front, didn't they? Yeah, they they did. Really wanted that. Like they felt like they really needed that, and you can see that it's handcuffed them along the way.
0: The shame of it is, NBC has a great family of networks and options. Like during the playoffs, putting games on USA and CNBC and having all the games on TV—that that's a good thing. Um, NBC has the best football um, games, like Sunday Night Footballs, like the premium, and they got Al Michaels, who's obviously great. Chris Collinsworth, you know, people can take him or leave him, but you know what I mean? Like they're not incapable of putting together a decent yeah. enough broadcast.
1: It's not Joe Buck. I get what you're saying.
0: I don't mind Joe. I can take him or leave him. Troy Aikman's a dumbass. Yeah, it's
1: got that feel to it.
0: His, he always. Well, I don't like that fourth down call, and then they'll get it and score a touchdown. Like he. And then the next time, the the next time will be like. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he's the Hall of Fame Cowboys quarterback, won a bunch of shit, sucks at this, and then you got. Tony Romo who you know he was pretty decent quarterback on teams that weren't all that great and but he's really great at doing this because he seems
1: to be able to like I've, I watched um, I watched a couple of games the other week I watched the two um, finals and um, it was night and day the coverages <laughs> and Romo was almost getting every single one right and you at least understood what he was saying should or shouldn't happen or why something happened.
0: But you're you know, somebody think... that didn't grow up with American the football. Sport. Correct. And you, yeah. I bet for what you said before, you can kind of appreciate, here's where this play, I think, is going and why. And then yeah, they actually no. have it happen a couple of seconds later, you're like, exactly. you make that connection. So even when you're watching another um, channel without romo like you can look up and be like hey that looks like that maybe maybe that's what they're trying to do there or
1: you know yeah, over Ro- the course
0: of time there are more yeah. plays that you understand and you needs your hand held
1: correct he's an exception to the rule we know that but finding guys like that for hockey i think is really important because hockey is such a they're an organic there. that no, no they are but they're just not being used that's the problem but hockey is such an organic sport the thing with uh nfl and basketball is that you can structure the hell out of both of those sports hockey it's really because you can't set picks in hockey technically i mean you can so, <laughs> technically
0: well, no you can you're allowed to have your space you could set a pick if you establish position and just stood there and the other guy went around and the, the defensive player ran into you you would be fine just like basketball It's just that it's so tough, you can't really diagram it. It would have to be like reading it off the fly, and that becomes a a lot tougher to do. Yeah,
1: and that, I think, is where it gets hard for the color guys because the sport's so fast, and there just aren't set plays for you to go, oh, I recognize what they're setting up for here. We can go about it. And even when you get on the power play... Everything kind of looks pretty similar-ish, anyway. And after that, it's still all off the cuff, as it is. It just means that the good players get to use those skill sets that we like to see more often. Yep. So, but if this stuff gets Pierre off the off the screen, I'm good.
0: Get him in Edmonton now.
1: Oh yeah. Come on, Pierre. Put your hand up. Like you just don't care. Come
0: on. He's on the Hall of Fame board committee. He must know what he's talking about. I still can't believe that. That guy has a hand in picking Hall of Famers. He's such a loser. Yeah, it's not good. Um, But yeah, that would be great. That would be a total... Everybody except Oiler fans would 100% be on board for that. Although, I, as as I say that, they all everybody not a Penguins fan would have been on board for that a few years ago. Uh,
1: yeah, that's absolutely you are right in the money there. And
0: but the we dodged that, that one. Movement. Somebody else can have it now. Hot potato. It's out of our hands.
1: <laughs> Somebody else anything? do
0: it for the good of the fucking broadcast. The next decade.
1: Well, no, you run the risk of them making Mike Milbury do it. That'd be terrifying. He's Better the devil there. you know sometimes, man.
0: He's already there. So, um, do you have anything else?
1: No, I think I'm, I think I'm done.
0: We'll, um, we'll get back into some Penguin stuff heading into the trade deadline and things like that. I think Justin Schultz skated today before practice, so that, that process continues. Uh, that That being the best roster move they probably have available to them is
1: just getting him back. So, just quickly on that, though, if they get him back, and because it's four weeks until the... I think it's the 28th of Feb is the deadline. They get him back, they get three weeks out of him, and they go, right, we're pretty confident that he's going to hold. They're going to have to trade somebody off that back end, right?
0: Yeah. Well, they don't have to, but yeah, I think Alexiak's going to go. I think if they try to make a trade for something... Alexiak's two million seems like one of the more appealing contracts to move. I would think that Shans should be one to think about as well. But yeah,
1: um, like you said, we'll discuss it further on down the track. But that was sort of where I was headed. That's going to be the best ad- addition by re- injury recovery this team's seen in a while, I think.
0: Yeah, there's a few different avenues they could go down. I think, but Jack Johnson's the roadblock to more interesting ideas that I think could happen. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start looking into that stuff in, uh, in the near future. So, um, yeah, we have Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, iTunes Reviews. Anything
1: else? Yeah, questions, if you have them, we eventually get to them.
0: <laughs> I forgot to ask. we we were out of the routine. Um yeah. <laughs> The last few weeks, and um, should be back on it. I I am actually getting my wisdom teeth taken out, but that's early in the week. I should be good to go by the weekend.
1: All right. Just make sure you put I'm, lots of ice on afterwards. Otherwise, you look like a, a bullfrog.
0: Yeah. I'm. I'll be day to day. As they say, upper body,
1: <laughs> upper body day to day. Anything above the neck is a, is is a concussion, Ryan. You know this. Oh. Yeah.
0: So, um, we we will see you next time.
1: Catch you later, guys.